Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. And if you weren't here last Sunday, I really want to encourage you to both of uh, last Sunday's messages. Uh, I have expressed my concern from this pulpit about uh, liberalism and how so many liberals are absolutely unhinged today. And it's confused me. And therefore, I've wanted to understand what was going on. And I have studied it at length for the last six months and will continue to study it. And we offered to the folks that were here last week, I think, a, a, a great understanding of liberalism and how they think and why they think like they do. And it's very important that you hear that. Today is going to be different, just like last week was different. Today is as much a civics lesson, if you will, as a, as a Bible message, although it definitely has a Bible, and that's very important. But it's very important for you to understand that you need to understand our country and why we are who we are and how we came to be who we are. The title of the message this morning is America's Faith and Freedom. America's Faith and Freedom. And they are connected. Understand, when God deals with people, he deals with people really in four different ways, all of which are important to every single one of us. When God deals with people, he deals with people in four different ways. He deals with us, number one, as individuals. I mean, we will answer individually for ourselves, for our sins, whether or not we are saved or not. But in addition to that, he deals with families. I mean, in the Bible, he dealt with Joseph's family, with David's family, with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He deals with individuals, but he also deals with family groups. And in addition to that, he deals with churches as groups of people. And in addition to that, he deals with nations. He deals with nations. Now, why does he deal with those four groups? Because he created every single one of them. He created them. He has an interest in them. And except for one area, all the other three areas, we are interconnected. It matters what our family members do in addition to what we do. It matters what other church members and other Christians do in relationship to us. It matters what American citizens are doing around this country. This morning I want to show you that the freedom we value as Americans is a direct result to the faith of our fathers, the faith of our fathers. And failure to understand the source of our freedom and failure to value the source of our freedom will, folks, jeopardize our freedom. Last week, I utilized a lot of information from Evan Sayet. This week, I want to give credit to Oz Guinness. 
He is probably in his 70s, early 80s. He's an Irishman born to medical missionaries. and His his parents were medical missionaries in China. He was born there during World War II. He is a Christian philosopher and lecturer and has written some 30 books. And even though he is from Scotland or, or I mean, Ireland, uh, he loves America. He lives in America now. He He knows America better than the average American. And a lot of what I'm going to share with you today, I will, of course, want to give credit to him. It was in a lecture that he gave in New York City where he stated the following concerning St. Augustine. St. Augustine lived in the 4th century and was an early Christian theologian and philosopher whose writings influenced the development of all of Western Christianity and Western philosophy. He is viewed as one of the most important church fathers in Western Christianity. And he believed this. He believed that the grace of Christ was indispensable to human freedom. The grace of Christ was indispensable to human freedom. In fact, it was St. Augustine back in the 300s who said, to understand a nation, don't look at its wealth, don't look at its resources, don't look at its army. He said this, look at the loved things held in common. Look at the loved things held in common. He says, if you want to know a nation, look at the loved things held in common. In other words, look at what they love supremely. In what a nation If what a nation loves is noble, that nation will be noble. So what is the most loved thing among us Americans? If you want to know a nation by looking what is loved most, what they love most held in common, what would we say about America? What distinguishes us? And there is something that distinguishes us, and it's one word. Who can tell me? Freedom. That's all, that's all we've sung about this morning. Almost every song focused on freedom. It is, that, it is who we are as a nation. When you talk about America, you talk about freedom. It is the one love thing we hold in common. The following story illustrates the point. In 1843, a 21-year-old Massachusetts scholar was doing research on the American Revolution and what led up to it. Among those he interviewed was Captain Levi Preston, a Yankee soldier who was 70 years his senior and had fought at both Lexington and Concord. Captain Preston, the young man, began, What made you go, what made you go to Concord and fight on April 19th, 1775? What did I go for? The old soldier, ever bit of his 91 years was very bowed or bowed. So he raised himself up to his full height, taken aback that anyone should ask a question about anything so obvious. The young man tried again. Yeah, my histories tell me that you men of the revolution took up arms against intolerable oppressions. What were they? He answered, oppressions? I didn't feel any. What? You, you were not oppressed by the Stamp Act? 
I never saw one of those stamps, Captain uh, Preston replied. I certainly never paid a penny for them. Well, what about the tea tax? Tea tax? I never drank a drop of that stuff, the old veteran replied. The boys all threw it overboard. (laughs) Then I suppose you had been reading Harrington or Sidney or Locke about the eternal principles of liberty. Never heard of them, Captain Preston said. We read the Bible, Watts' hymns and psalms, and the almanac. Well then, what was the matter? And what did you mean in going to the fight? Young man, Captain Preston stated firmly. Well, what we meant in going for those red coats was this. We always had been free, and we meant to stay that way. Freedom was so important to our forefathers that certain freedoms were spelled out in our Bill of Rights. States cherished their newfound freedom from British control. But ratification of the Constitution was proving to be a difficult challenge. All 13 states finally ratified the Constitution by 1790, but only by the addition of 10 amendments known as the Bill of Rights that guaranteed certain rights and freedoms. That was the mindset of our founding fathers. If the 13 colonies are going to unify under a single Constitution to bring those 13 colonies together as a nation, freedom was at the forefront of their thinking. It was born in their hearts and their souls, so much so that they wanted it spelled out in writing. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. It was written. Or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances, and the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. These were people of faith. And born out of a heart of faith, And only out of a heart of faith can come even the concept, the idea of freedom. When it came to freedom, our founding fathers had three tasks. I don't know if you've really thought about that before. But giving birth to the freest nation in the history of mankind was no easy task. And in fact... It required three tasks. The first task was, of course, the winning of freedom, defeating the British Army, the most formidable army on the planet at the time. And the colonies? Loose-knit militia groups at best. Farmers, merchants, attorneys, businessmen. 
But with hearts set on liberty, they defeated the mightiest army in the world at that time. So the first task was accomplished, winning freedom. Then came the second task, which was really almost harder than the first task, which is ordering freedom, establishing a political framework. It took from 1776 13 years before that freedom was ordered, before we ratified the Constitution of the United States that carefully spelled out our freedoms and carefully limited government. So the first task was winning freedom. The second task was ordering freedom, which is, in some sense, even more difficult. But perhaps the most challenging task of all is the third task that continues to this very day, which is sustaining freedom. Patrick Henry, George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Madison, Adams, Hamilton, they won the freedom. They ordered the freedom. Today, we are called upon to sustain that freedom. Today, it's going to be men like McMorris and Huber, Carpenter, Wise, the men of this room, the women of this room, are called upon to be sustainers of our freedom. It's very important to understand how, where that freedom originated. Why is it so rare? It's so rare because Christian nations are extremely rare. The foundation upon which our freedom rests, you need to understand this, is our Christian faith, folks. What gave birth to the freest nation in the history of the world is our Christian faith. Is it any wonder that the two freest nations in the history of the world have been the two most Christian nations in the history of the world, England and the United States? The freedoms that our forefathers passed on to us were freedoms born out of hearts of faith in God and his word. Was every one of the founding fathers pure, born-again Christians? No. But most all of them had an understanding and appreciation of God. Most all of them had an understanding and appreciation of God's word. And many of them, though, really were truly born-again Christians. Listen to their words. Let's let them speak this morning through our history, through the hundreds of years. John Adams signed the Declaration of Independence. He was a diplomat. He signed the Bill of Rights. He was the second president of the United States. Here's what he said. The general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. Now, that gives me pause for concern. Is our nation at this time becoming more Christian 
are less Christian. If you don't know, let me tell you, less. Doesn't that bode poorly for our freedom? If our freedom is rooted in Christianity, and Christianity is dying on the vine, rest assured our freedom will as well. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. John Adams, again, the general principles... (coughs) on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. Folks, he was there. He knows. He was in those meeting rooms. He was in those discussions. How about one of our favorite, Patrick Henry? Revolutionary War general, ratifier of the U.S. Constitution, governor of Virginia. He said this, The great pillars of all government and of social life are virtue, morality, and religion. They knew that they were part of a Christian nation. People who were serious about their faith. And there were flaws. I mean, slavery, you can't can't sweep that under the carpet. And we paid a big price for that too, didn't we? But it was corrected, thankfully. Should have been done a whole lot sooner. Should have never happened. But nonetheless, these men that were Christians, there was something burning in them that made them think, who is George over there in England to tell me what to do? You know, I mean, where did they get that idea? Because for centuries, many people in many countries around the world just took it for granted. Somebody's got to tell me what to do. What was different about these people? What was different? They're thinking, wait a minute, this isn't right. Or or for their parliament over there to tax us and we didn't have any say in it? Where'd they get that idea? Where'd that come up from? Well, let's listen to Benjamin Rush, one of my favorites. He's maybe not as well known as the other founding fathers, but one of my favorites. He was a medical doctor. He's considered the father of American medicine. He was Surgeon General of the Continental Army and ratifier of the U.S. Constitution. He was a true born-again believer. And he said this, I do not believe that the Constitution was the offspring of inspiration. You know, like the Bible, you know, we believe it was inspired of God. God breathed those very words. Benjamin Rush is showing some common sense here and some spiritual maturity. He says, I don't believe that the Constitution was inspired like the Bible. That's what he's saying. But... I am as satisfied that it is as much the work of a divine providence as any of the miracles recorded in the Old and New Testament. Benjamin Rush. It was God's word in the hearts of noble men that sprang forth this freedom, this freedom that we're privileged to know as Americans. There are three foundational truths found in the Bible that promote freedom. Number one, all men are created equal. This gives us freedom from oppression. As men back in those days read their Bibles, which most politicians, some do, but which most politicians, certainly liberal politicians do not. They do not read their Bibles. They're not going to know this truth. Galatians 3.26, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, For as many of you has been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is. Now, these men are reading this. 
There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. George? No disrespect. But he puts his pants on just like I do. Where is that coming from? It's coming from the Bible. They're reading the Bible. They're saying, wait a minute, I'm, I'm not better than a Jew, and Jew's not better than me. We are equal, and it's equality that brings forth the seeds of freedom. The second paragraph of the United States Declaration of Independence starts as follows. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable or undeniable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These men get saved, they're reading their Bible, and they know that they're not to be proud, they're not to lord it over somebody else, that they're not better than somebody else, and somebody else isn't better than them. They are all children of God, they're created in the image of God, they are equal. Who made you king? And they decide, we will elect our leaders. We will elect our president. We'll determine if we want a president or not. And again, that's born out of the hearts of men of faith that will never occur among the unregenerate and the unsaved. Among the unsaved, you have your, Hit- your Hitlers and your Mussolinis who just say, I will grab power and you'll live by what I say. Very important, you go out of here this morning, understanding the faith of our fathers. The faith of our fathers has given us the freedom that we enjoy today. Secondly, the three branches of government give us freedom from tyranny. All men are created equal, Bible principle that gives us freedom from oppressors. Another Bible principle, the three branches of government, give us freedom from tyranny. Isaiah 33, 22. Listen to this. Some of you have never heard this before. We have what in our country? Three branches of government, right? Legislative, executive, judicial. Did you know that that too is Bible-based? Isaiah 33, 22. Listen to this. For the Lord is our... Judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. There you have the three branches of government right there. Lawgiver, legislative branch, judge, judicial, king, the executive. At the Constitutional Convention of 1787, James Madison proposed a plan to divide the central government into three branches. He discovered this model of government from the perfect governor as he read Isaiah 33, 22. Then number three, we have private property and free enterprise, which gives us economic freedom and free enterprise. Based on Scripture, based on the principles of Scripture. Go all the way back to Exodus chapter 20, verse number 17. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. It's his house. Private property. Not socialism, not communism. Private property. It's his house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. 
The free, let me read this paragraph. The free enterprise system is based on blessing your fellow man and only rewards you based on how much you have blessed others. For example, let's say you sell a cup of coffee to someone and you make a little money. The coffee you sold obviously blessed the customer more than the money you charge or they would not have made the trade. If you sell five cups of coffee, you make a little more. If you sell 500 cups of coffee, you make still more. If you sell 50,000 cups of coffee, you make a good deal more. The more you sell, the more people you bless, and the more you are blessed. It's all of God. Private property. Capitalism. Free enterprise. These men were in their Bibles, and it affected them. And they saw something as a group of people that the world had really never seen before. Certainly not to this extent. And it gave birth to the land of the free and the home of the brave. Understand this as we close. Because God judges and blesses nations, we are all connected as citizens. Do you understand that? We're all connected because God does judge or bless nations. We have a stake in what happens in Mississippi, Massachusetts, Maryland, Montana, and the other 46 states. As citizens of a country, we are indeed our brother's keeper. And as Christians particularly, we play a very important role to promote the faith that birthed our freedom. Mark my word, as goes our faith as a nation, so goes our freedom. That will be expounded even more this afternoon. You you cannot miss this afternoon. It's going to be expounded even more. So there's some things you need to do that I need to do. Number one, if you're not saved, you need to get saved. You need to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior today. Once you're saved, you need to get baptized. You need to go public with your faith and be baptized. Last week, we we baptized a young man and an 89-year-old lady. Thirdly, you need to do what the Bible says and join a church, be a member of the church. And then you need to support that church through tithing and offerings. Then number five, you need to be a witness, as folks did back here during our garage sale. Number six, you need to serve. Find a place of service. And number seven, you need to pray. Because, folks, the health of churches across America will ultimately determine the health of freedom across America. Now, you can gripe, you can complain, you can cuss the politicians all you want, or you can do something about it. Those that will be back here at 1.30 are doing something about it. You're actually doing something about it. Those that are faithful in church, those that are praying, those that are serving, you are making a difference. And if you're not doing that right now, you need to get on board right now. Otherwise, let me say this kindly, don't complain. Because you're part of the problem. Because it is faith that has given us our freedom, folks. It is faith that has given us our freedom. And either you're going to stand for faith, promote faith, and live faith, or you're going to deny it and jeopardize our freedom. 
who knows what kind of world those young ladies are going to inherit when you and I are gone. We need Jeffersons today. We need Hamiltons today. We need Patrick Henrys today. We need Madisons today. Right here in this auditorium right now. Not people that, well, I'm too tired to go to church. I'm too busy to go to church. I'm too, you know, I'm too bashful to, to witness. No, you need to be in your Bible. We need to be men and women of faith and men and women of courage. Not whiny little babies that, you know, any little thing will throw you off from going to church or praying or reading your Bible. Amen. These were men of faith. Right. They gave us the freedom. They've passed it along to us today. We dare not drop the torch. And it's not just griping and complaining while you watch the news. It is showing up at church and dropping to your knees and praying and living that life before our unsaved, unregenerate fellow citizens. Who, by the way, God loves and wants to see them saved. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mile Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.